a series uh, entitled, Let His Glory Shine. And I believe that that's something that uh, we as a people must do, not just during the Christmas time of year, but all the time. And uh, God's will for us as a people is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse uh, number 21, uh, Unto Him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God's plan for us as unique members of His body, the church, is that we would bring Him glory. And I wonder if this morning we can honestly say that we are glorifying the Lord in our lives. I believe that that's something that we need to consider. But before we can do that, I think there's something that we must consider. And it's found here in the Word of God. And in John chapter 1, I want us to begin reading in verse 1, where here the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Consider verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I want us to hold our place here in John chapter 1 and take a moment, and if you would, go to First. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, or excuse, excuse me, rather 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we read this in verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And while we are there, let's look at chapter 4 and verse number 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, <coughs> excuse me, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Let us pray. Father, this morning I pray that you would truly meet with us by thy Holy Spirit. Deal with us each one that we might desire for ourselves that which you desire for us. Lord, I pray that today as we consider the light and the glory of God, 
that you would draw us closer in love with our Savior. And this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. There is so much here found in the verses which I have read that time would never permit us to be able to expound all of the truth that's found in these few verses which we have read. Of course, we, we find that the Bible tells us that in the very beginning, it speaks of the eternal pre-existence of God, and He is self-existent. In the beginning was the Word. You see, no one conceived of God. He has always existed. He's self, eternally self-existent. And He did not find His beginning in a manger in Bethlehem. In fact, He has always existed. And the Bible here gives the proper name of God, one of them being Word. <clears throat> the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Of course, it reveals there that Jesus is the Creator of all that is. He is the exalted Lord over all the earth. And friends, whatever was created in those six days of creation was created by the spoken Word of Jesus Himself. Make no mistake about that. And the Bible reveals that in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand that here, the Bible reveals Jesus as the Word, capital W. Okay, He is the revelation of the written Word of God. And He is the Word of God. You often hear me say, and it is true, that if we could turn this book into a person, we would have Jesus. And if we could per, uh, turn Jesus into a book, we would have the Bible. And so, understand today that He was the Word, He's the manifestation of the written Word, and He's the light. Those two go together. They have to go together. The light and the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that we're uh, to walk in the light and that whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So what makes manifest is the truth of the Word of God. And we're going to see that revealed here. But what we find is that the Bible continues on in verse 14, this great Christmas passage in saying... The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. and We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. What does it mean to behold something? Anyone? Everybody's afraid they're going to say the wrong thing? You didn't have your coffee. To, to, to focus on something or to, to look intently upon something. But it means that I am going to look upon something intently. Behold. And I believe today that what we must understand here is that John, the beloved disciple, writing there in verse 14 says, And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I want you to pause for just a moment and think with me. Did the Lord allow the Shekinah glory that was His 
with the Father to shine during His time here on earth? Other than the Mount of Transfiguration, when it was just for a time, the answer is, of course not. He did not allow the the Shekinah glory of God to shine upon His countenance during that time. No person could have come into His presence and lived. For the Bible revealed that no man can look upon God and live. And so, a a person would have fallen on their face. And in fact, when we go back to the time where we can find those who came into the presence of God with His unmitigated Shekinah, uh, it was Moses and Joshua, and in fact, they had to put a veil over their faces. (coughs) There was another time where that it was Elijah. And Elijah had to turn to turn his back because he knew that he could not see. And then he put a wrap around his face, put his mantle around his face because he knew that no man could look upon God and live. And so, understand this. He said, and we beheld his glory. What was it you think that they beheld, that they looked upon, that they steadfastly gazed at? We beheld his glory. It wasn't the Shekinah of God. It wasn't heaven that we often refer to as glory. I submit to you that there was something that they beheld that revealed to them that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. And when they saw it, it was truly glorious. It was glorious. Now, folks, I'm going to say something to you. God's glory is something that belongs to Him alone. He will not, the Bible says, share His glory with another man. You recall in the book of Acts when Herod Agrippa gave an oration, the people began to exalt him and say it is a voice of an angel or perhaps of a God. And, and he received that adoration and that worship from him. And the Bible tells us that he fell over dead and the worms consumed his body. And here's the reason. Because he gave not God the glory. And what it highlights is the reality that God is not going to give his glory to another. The glory of God is something that belongs to him alone. It is unique to him. And there are attributes of God that are unique to God that in and of themselves are glorious. You say, what do you mean glorious? I mean this. They are fitting the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is resplendent in glory, who is majestic and beautiful in everything that He does. And it transcends anything that we can compare it to upon this earth. And I'm saying to you that that is what they beheld, though it was not this Shekinah glow. It was not the gates of pearl and streets of gold. It was not walls of jasper. It was the life of the only begotten Son, God. And so he said, we beheld, we, we saw it. And my friends, I want to say this to you. We read it there in 2 Corinthians where 
he said, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. So what was he talking about there in 2 Corinthians? He was talking about when that Moses came down from the mount. That the people had to put a veil over their faces because of the glory. And how that it is much more glorious what Jesus is offering. But now we need no veil. We can see it with an open face. And behold, as in a glass, as, as in a looking glass, the glory of the Lord. And what happens? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so today I want to just stir up your hearts and minds with a message entitled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. As they beheld Jesus, they saw that which was truly glorious. And I believe that it behooves us today to consider the light and the glory of our Savior who came to this world full of grace and truth. I want us to, first of all, behold the Word. Behold the Word. Of course, Jesus is the living Word. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, it says, The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You see, the world lay in darkness, but it was enlightened by the truth of God. You see, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Well, how did men know that in Him was the, the, the life, and that He was the light of men, they knew it through the truth of God, through the truth of the Word of God. I think about what we read there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, where the Bible said in verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what did the light do? It brought knowledge. How did that come? From the Word. You see, the Bible reveals, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is the light. And so, it is the light of God that reveals, gives us the knowledge of who Jesus is. The Bible says that they beheld His glory. They, they looked upon Him steadfastly. And they realized that He was indeed God and it was glorious when they saw it. And I believe that today we must behold the person that this truth reveals. It's revealed in the Word of God. So many people today are looking at the internet they're looking at YouTube. That's, that's really become uh, their support network spiritually, is YouTube. Every day, every day, I have believers, many of whom are members of our church, send me videos 
And uh, many times there are videos of preachers that I would not walk across the street to listen to. And it troubles me, honestly. It reveals to me that there's a lot of undiscerning folks in the Word of God, uh, or in the house of the Lord, even at Freeway. Uh, sometime uh, last week I uh, saw a post on our Facebook feed, and I don't have it personally, but I monitor the church's feed. Make sure that there's nothing inappropriate that's, uh, that's traveling through there. Sometimes there is. And, uh, but I, I looked and, and, and someone posted what they thought was the gospel. And it was absolute heresy. It was heresy. In fact, had someone read that and took that for truth, it would have damned their soul to hell. Because it added three things to the finished work of Calvary. And it troubled me that someone who was a professing believer would post that to Facebook hoping that everybody in the world would see it and get saved and that they didn't even realize that it wasn't the truth. It would have held them tighter in the chains of bondage. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you can be wrong about a lot of things in the Bible and make it to heaven. How many of you know that? Um, you, you could be off on when you think the rapture is going to occur and still go on the rapture. Okay? But you can't be off on the gospel. You can't be off on who Jesus is. You can't be off on the substitutionary death and blood atonement of Jesus Christ. You can't be off on the virgin birth. You've got to be enlightened in your mind by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to understand the gospel. I, I believe it's my duty as a Christian, my moral obligation as a pastor, to be expert in understanding that which can save the, the lost person who's bound for hell, and then to preach it in such a way that it's unmistakably clear. And so look, in order for me to do that, I've got to behold the Word. And when I do and I understand the beauty and the glory of what Jesus has come to do for me, it is truly glorious in every way. And so listen, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look upon Him as the only means of salvation, my friend. It is not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus you trying hard. It's not Jesus plus your baptism. It is Jesus only. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. And we have to have spiritual discernment to understand and know that. That we are kept by the power of God, eternally secure. Uh, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And yet there are many today that are out there and they have big ministries and they write books and radio broadcasts and television uh, shows that believe that somehow there's some list of dastardly sins that could damn the believer's soul to hell. And my friend, if you want to believe that and go down that road, I'm going to tell you something right now. You'll never be saved. You know why? Because the Bible says there remaineth now therefore no more sacrifice for sin. You know why? There was only one sacrifice that was offered. So if you lost the salvation that was purchased with that sacrifice, there's not going to be another one for you. 
You understand me? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It wasn't, I made myself really pure, and I, I'm living a clean and a godly life, and so the Lord will receive me. I'm sorry, that's not in the Bible. Though there are many well-intentioned people, perhaps even some in this room today, that have begun to operate under the false assumption, and my friend, you're not walking in the light. You're not turning your eyes upon the one who came to save you utterly, entirely, and eternally. Jesus Christ. We behold the word. We must also behold the wonder. Behold the wonder. For the Bible says... There in verse 14 of John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look, we already established that it wasn't the gates of splendor. It wasn't uh, somehow the streets of gold or the walls of jasper or the gates of pearl. It wasn't the Shekinah glory of God that radiated from His countenance that they found to be so glorious. What was it then that was glorious, that to their eyes was wonderful as they beheld it, as they turned their eyes upon Jesus? Well, my friend, we read in verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after he cometh, a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come, baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost, and I saw, and I saw, who did he see? He saw Jesus. He turned his eyes upon Jesus, and what happened? And bear record that this is the Son of God. What was the message of John? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What was the message here? Well, that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is the light. The grace reveals the glory. And so we behold the wonder, and I think that we should turn our eyes to the wonder of a holy God before whom the angels stand continually singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So holy is He that sin may never enter into His presence, which leaves man in a terrible predicament because we are inherently sinful. And my friends, we cannot change what we are or who we are. And yet God overcame that which was against us by His grace and by His truth, so that we might be called the children of God. Behold, look at this, John said, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, 
that we should be called the sons of God. It's a wonder of resplendent glory. It's a majestic and a thrilling truth. It's something that defies explanation that can only be termed as glorious to think that a thrice holy God would look upon a dark-hearted and sinful humanity and choose to come and dwell among them because He loves them. Because He loves them. You see, I love that song, Pastor Peck, the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. Imagine Peter sitting there beside the fire and talking to the resurrected Lord and knowing that he had denied the Lord three times in the hour of his greatest need, and yet the Lord was showing love to him and said, Lovest thou me more than these? And, and what we find is that he was recommissioned to follow Jesus. But understand the grace and the mercy that was bestowed upon Peter. And as Peter beheld him, it wasn't the Shekinah. It wasn't the thunder and the lightning. It wasn't the miraculous deeds, although they were glorious in every respect. It was the person of Jesus loving and gracious and kind that they found to be so glorious because only a God could be that good. Only a God could be that kind. Only a God could be that gracious and loving. And they found it to be glorious. It was wonderful. And I think about what what, uh, Paul said to the Ephesian church about the love of God. He said in his prayer for them in Ephesians chapter 3, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. What's He he praying that He might be granted? Here it is. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's God's imparted grace. 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Folks, who's the last time you just basked in the wonder of the fact? That Almighty God wants to spend forever with you. Was the last time you ever just bathed in the reality that though undeserving, God loves you. Hearing His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave Himself to be a propitiation for our sins. That is what love is. Everything that we put out there as expressions and demonstrations of love can never even begin to measure up to God's glorious love. It passes all understanding. It blows the mind. It is wonderful. It is glorious. 
And He is. God is. Jesus is. Love. He's love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16, God is love. John chapter 1 reveals that Jesus is God. You know what? They looked at Jesus and it blew their minds. The only thing that they could say was, it was the glory that could only be God's. We beheld His glory. It wasn't His creation. We beheld His glory. It wasn't the Shekinah. Only John and Peter saw that. Peter, James, and John. It was the person of Jesus. Loving and yet holy. Gracious and true. So we behold the wonder of it. But behold, if you would as well, the work that glorious work. For the Bible revealed to us something rather amazing. It's this, that that loving God is doing. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. That's in the Word of God. We look there and we can see and behold the Lord Jesus we are beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, and we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, we're changed into the very image of Jesus Christ. Do you see it there? We're changed into His image from glory to glory. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, for, uh, Colossians chapter 1 says in verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know that in Romans chapter 8, what God has purposed is that whom He justified, them He also glorified. So what we notice here in the Word of God is that the work that our glorious Savior is doing is changing us into His image. Now, I want to say this, and I want to be eminently clear, that God has ordained that what we are to behold, we are to be like. So what are we to behold? Well, we beheld His glory. We're to look upon Jesus. Why? Because I'm going to be formed into His image. God wants me to behold Him, the one whose image is being imprinted upon my life. And the glory that we experienced at conversion through the glorious gospel that blows the mind, it defies human terms. It's an experience that belongs to what only God can provide us. It's glorious. That glory, we're being carried from glory to glory. That is that God is forming us into the image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory. And let me say this to you and be clear. It is not simply that we are to reflect Jesus in our life, but rather that we are to reveal Jesus in our life. 
Not just reflect Jesus. So my life is not to be a reflector for Jesus as much as it is to reveal Jesus. The Bible uh, says that my body, my physical body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost which I have of God, and I'm not my own, for I'm bought with a price. And I understand that it is not I, but Christ that dwelleth within me. The Holy Spirit is the agent of the Christ life being lived out through me. So I understand that others, when they see me, do not just see a reflection of Christ, but they're to see a revelation of Christ. And, and what I mean by that is, not just saying, okay, I want to reflect Jesus to you, but I want to live the life of Jesus. I want to be the hands of Jesus extended, the heart of Jesus expressed, and the love of Jesus communicated to you. So others might see that Christ is being revealed in you. Again, change into the same image from glory to glory. Not just reflecting an image, but changed into that image. Now, let me ask you this, friend. What does your life reveal? What does your life reveal? Does it reveal a glorious dynamic that shows the love that Christ has bestowed upon you and the transformative work that He has done in your life? And when others begin to understand it, they begin to see a revelation of the Lord to them. It seems rather glorious what God is doing there. Because it is only God that can do it. I wonder what our lives reveal. Oh, I'm certain that they reveal our passions. uh, The things that we're really excited about. But I wonder, do our lives reveal Christ? And the glory of the living Lord. This is the wonderful and Glorious work of sanctification that God is effecting in us. There in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3, it says, We're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the work of sanctification that we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That where that Paul prayed that the Spirit of God would sanctify them wholly. The truth is, that is whereby we are being glorified. And I think that sometimes what we need to do is turn our eyes upon Jesus and realize that, look, who He is is awesome. But I want Him to be revealed in my life. I want His work to be evident in my life. I want it to be glorious. I want others to know and see that it could only be from a loving God an all-wise, powerful God doing in me and through me what I could never do apart from Him. Because then, listen, the glory belongs to the Lord alone. I think that we need to come to that place where we with grace live out the life of Jesus so that others can see it. Now as we are in the midst of a Christmas season, our minds are drawn to so many of the passages that speak to the nativity. And in Matthew, we, we discover 
the narrative of the three wise men who came from the east. And the Bible says that now there was, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his, what? Star in the east and are come to worship him. So may I ask you a question? What is the sun? It's a star, isn't it? And does the sun give light? Absolutely. And here we have three wise men that saw a star in the east. It was God's light that was shining in the eastern sky for them. And you know what they did? They looked at it. We have seen His star. They beheld it. And what did it do? It drew them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did they do when they got there? They fell down and they worshipped Him, bringing Him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. My friend, behold and worship Jesus. Behold the Word and behold the wonder of it, the grace, not only the light, but the glory. And behold the work that He is doing, a glorious work within us from glory to glory, but behold and worship Him. You see the shepherds and the wise men beheld Him and they worship. I, I wonder really, folks, listen, do you worship the Lord truly? Now, there are a lot of folks that are laboring under the mistaken idea that worship only occurs within the four walls of a church. But may I submit to you that whatever you do with all of your heart is under the Lord, rises to the level of pure worship. If you are doing it before Him, not to be seen of men, but to, to give glory to the Lord, it can rise to the level of pure worship. Though you're not singing a song or waving your arms or in a house of worship. So, God calls us to worship. But you know I'm going to just say? When you turn your eyes upon Jesus and you see the light like the wise men did, they saw that star. They saw the light in the east, and it led them to Jesus. You know what the light of God does? It draws us to Jesus. And when we get there and behold Him in all His unmitigated glory and wonder, because He loves us and is gracious towards us, you know what? The, the response should be worship. Worship. You know, uh, over the last few weeks, our family has gone through the passing of my mother and, and her uh, funeral and burial. And do you know what I've done over the last few weeks? I've reminisced with my, with my family. We've looked at hundreds of photographs of my mother. And uh, it, it, almost every morning I wake up to find more photographs being sent to me from, from folks that, that knew and loved my mother. And, and, and it just takes me right back down memory lane again. How many of you know that's, that's probably what you would have done too? Okay. Looking at photos and, and reminiscing and, and so forth. And you know, I've, I've just found myself at times laying awake in bed in the middle of the night thinking about mom. Just thinking about all of her virtues and attributes and thinking about all the things we love to do together. Wondering about what she must be doing right now in heaven. And thinking about how beautiful heaven must be. Okay. Why, why do you suppose that I do that? 
Well, the reason why is because I really loved my mom. You know? And uh, she was precious to me. When was the last time you just laid awake at night and reminisced about how good God is? When was the last time you just spent some time and you, you thought on the goodness of the Lord? You just saw how glorious He is. And you reflected over that. And you worshipped Him in your spirit and in truth. The call to every believer is to behold Him in truth and to worship Him with glory. And I believe that we must ensure through this time that Jesus is the preeminent one in our celebration and worship. Not just a prominent figure in the Christmas story, no. But the one who is all and in all. The highly exalted Lord of glory. Folks, we look at innkeepers and we look at shepherds and we look at Mary and we look at Joseph and we look at the angels and the wise men and Herod and all of these things and we have a tiny little manger with a tiny little baby and I think that that is illustrative of the position that Jesus often occupies in our life. He's just the tiniest little piece of it. We come to church for a couple of hours and, and we, we, we patronize the Lord of glory and we, we go our way and we, we live Monday as though God didn't exist. But man, we come into church and we worship Him on Sunday. And my friend, God doesn't just want to be a character in the narrative of your life. He wants to be the preeminent one, all and in all, the object of your unmitigated worship to, to the point where it is glorious to you all that He's done for you and you can't help but meditate and worship a God that loves you like that. We beheld His glory. It wasn't uh, uh, lightning. It wasn't miracles. It wasn't the Shekinah. It was the mercy and love, the grace and the kindness of Jesus that could have only come from God. And it drew them to worship as they beheld it. Lastly, I would say this to you, my friend. Behold and wait. Behold and wait. The Bible tells us the great mystery in Colossians 1 and verse 27 that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible reveals that Jesus is the hope that we have of glory. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's often referred to as glory. When we go to glory, we often say, it's heaven. I submit to you that heaven is where Jesus is. I was talking to someone the other day who said, uh, um, I don't even know where home is for me. I've, I've moved so many times, I don't even know where home is. And, uh, and, and I said, you know what, listen. For me, home is wherever Linda is. <laughs> you know, that, I'm home there. Do, do you understand? That's where I'm going to make my home. Um, heaven is wherever Jesus is. And, and folks, I'm waiting for that day. How about you? And when it comes, you know what? 
It's going to blow the mind. It'll be beyond description. It'll just quite simply be glory. The hope of glory is the person of glory, Jesus. He is the blessed hope. He's coming again for us. And so, my friends, we wait with patience for that one who is who has laid hold of us and and when we understood it was glorious but he's taking us from that glory to glory because whom he justified them he also glorified we're being formed in the very image of Jesus and so we wait with patience we behold him and wait I may have shared this with you I can't recall but some of you know this no doubt but on Tuesday we laid my mother to rest in Cortez, Colorado. We gathered together at the Cortez Cemetery on the edge of town. And uh, there are a number of folks that gathered together. There are some who had known my mother for many years. Others who she had made a profound difference in their lives. They wanted to come and pay tribute. And uh, as we stood there, we looked off in the distance toward the La Plata Mountains that were blanketed in snow. And it was very cold there that day. They said that, I went on the Weather Channel, they said with the winds blowing like they were, it felt like it was about 21 degrees outside. Although the actual temperature may have been more like 38 or 39, but with the wind howling, it was, it was cold. We stood there, and, and I looked out, and I, I saw to the east the La Plata Mountains. And they were beautiful. And I realized that mom was being laid in the ground in an east-west configuration. And Christian cemeteries through the years have as their tradition buried the folks in a cemetery in an east-west configuration. With their feet being at the east, their head being at the west. So that in that day, that will be grand and glorious when Jesus comes. The dead in Christ will rise first. And you know what? They'll come up face first to meet the Lord face to face. To behold Him in all of His glory. Their, their physical body will be joined together with their spirit. And God will give them a beautiful heavenly body. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we behold Him. We keep our eyes on that eastern sky. We who are here, waiting with patience. We keep our gaze upon the One who is truly glorious. You see, John said, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He dwelt among us. But guess what? When He comes again, the Bible says in Revelation 21, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You know what? He will dwell with us. He'll dwell with us. Why? He loves us. You know what I think about that? It's glorious. You know what they saw? I don't think they were talking about the Shekinah. I think they were talking about the mercy, the love, the grace, the kindness, the 
they shook their heads at it and they thought, this truly is God. Because no one else would be this glorious. Indeed, He is. Father God, we thank You for the work of grace that You have done in our lives. Lord, we're grateful that the light shined and it drew us to Jesus. Even as the wise men who saw the light in the east and it drew them to the feet of Jesus and they worshipped. Lord, help us never to get over how good You are. Lord, help us never to stop worshiping You alone. Lord, help us never to take that which is glorious and turn it into the commonplace and the mundane. Lord, I pray that there would be moments through these coming days of pure-hearted worship where we turn our eyes upon Jesus and it's truly glorious defies any human explanation it's majestic it's wonderful it's resplendent with glory Lord how we thank you for it Lord as we turn our eyes toward Jesus may we be what he has called us to be and that is the light of the world so that others can see the light be drawn to the feet of Jesus. Help us, O oh God. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. Perhaps you're listening to this message today, and in your heart of hearts, you just don't have the confidence that heaven is your home. You're a little concerned, in fact, that your sins are not all forgiven and that heaven is not yours. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to have the joy of remembering you in a moment of prayer. Today, if you're just uncertain that you're on your way to heaven, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. And if that's you today, I wonder if you just right now, while no one is looking except me, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I do not know that I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'm concerned about that. Pray for me. And maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know, Pastor, I've lost the glory and the wonder. The wonder of a little child that sees its snow for the first time. The wonder of a blind man opening his eyes to see the sunrise for the very first time. I've, I've lost a little bit of the wonder that I once had. I've lost a little of the vision of the glorious and I want to fall back in love with Jesus. So I discover that His mercies are new every morning. And I want to behold that glory in my life again. Pray for me. Here's my hand. Is there one like God bless you? God bless you. God bless you. The problem is, God didn't change. We just quit beholding Him. We look at our circumstances, our issues, our problems. We look at others. Turn your eyes on Jesus. We beheld His glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Perhaps the Lord is dealing with your heart about some issue or need today. And if so, we want to give you the opportunity to respond to the Spirit's call. And I want to invite you to stand to your feet at this time. If you would just, if you're able, stand where you are. Pastor Pack is going to sing a song, and as he does, God is dealing with your heart. Perhaps you want to come and kneel. Maybe you want to sit and kneel or, or sit and pray. Whatever the Lord leads you to do. But if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, I want you to step out from where you are and meet me at the front. Let me have a counselor with a mask in a socially distant way show you from the Bible how you could leave here sure of heaven, forgiven of every sin. It'd be the greatest decision you've ever made. As we sing, you do what God says. last verse would you come Father God, how we thank you and praise you for your goodness and how wonderful you truly are. Lord, I pray that we might never get over the wonder of all that you've done for us. Help us, dear God, to behold your glory. For this we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.